over there. They're not your friends. You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Take the running backs to the stands, run up in the stands and slap their mama. Live in the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. It is showtime, baby. Here we go. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, pitches it. it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's 40, got something. 50, He's got it. 40, He's got it. 20, 10, He's got it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us. Oh, yes, you know what day it is. It is a Tuesday, which means it's a terrible Tuesday. Plenty of terrible Tuesday thoughts. Ballpark Frank in the house. I know he's loaded up for bear. You're never going to live the bear down. The bear is alive. Well, what's to live down? Yes. I don't mind it. Okay. You're the bear. You know, I mean, you know, half the stuff I wear is, is bear's, you know, gear, so... Shirts and shirts and whatever, so yeah, I'm cool with that. The bear, the nunchuck here. Here we go. Two hours nonstop sports talk. Glad to have you with us on a Tuesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Yes, we have plenty of terrible Tuesday takes. We'll hit on that. Guests lined up today. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, will join us. And, you know, he's probably will still have the cigar uh, lit from the tremendous victory from Saturday, the Dons of USF, his alma mater, uh, who he's uh, actively involved with uh, currently right now, the campus of USF, defeating number four ranked Virginia in a huge upset there. So uh, I know he'll be very, very happy about that. Yeah, I mean, it. I mean, they they got really hot from the three point line. Um, uh, hit a bunch of them and uh, found a way to uh, get the victory. Got a little bit of a lead, then held on at the end. So yeah, real nice victory for them. Virginia, is it just me or is it one of those programs? When I think of Virginia basketball, I tend to think of the big times that they got upset more than big wins that they had. Of or course, uh, of course, the the Chaminade Ralph Sampson team was the biggest one ever. But yeah, it's a, it, it's not a team that I always think of as the success they've had in basketball. I tend to remember the times that somebody just shocked them and just brought them down yeah. to earth or well whatever. you lose to maryland baltimore county in the first round of the ncaa tournament who's with the 64th team in the tournament that probably is bigger than the chaminade one because it is in the ncaa tournament you're the number one seed the number one overall seed and you get sent home packing after round one yeah i agree with you i mean we remember they finally got it right a couple of years ago and, and and they got that uh NCAA term Tony Tony Bennett has done a, a a very good job, but then again, you get upset to you know Maryland Baltimore County, you, you lose to USF in a game that you you shouldn't lose, and uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's I know a lot of people say, well, okay, it's you know one of the first games of the season, it's early on, you know, it's non-league, non-conference, really doesn't mean that much, but yeah, it does. It definitely does. Well, it, it kind of does, and, and and again, it um, you know, it, and it makes bragging rights for the school that does win a game like that. I mean, Maryland Baltimore County doesn't even sound like a real school, right? And nothing against them, but it sounds like more like a trade school or something. So we'll talk to the big seven footer uh, a little bit later. 
So we look forward to that. Talk USF, talk NBA training camps, getting ready to open. Uh, Kelsey Plum joins us, the sharpshooting guard from the Las Vegas Aces, who did not play this year. You may remember she has been rehabbing an injury in Achilles' heel. So she's on the men back. So we will visit with her today. And also Chuck Esposito from Sunset Station, the fine sports book uh, director with Station Casinos. And uh, we'll talk to Chuck about the action uh, not only just this last weekend, but remember the Ravens and the Steelers still playing as part of this past week. So for you fantasy football people, th- your stats of this game tomorrow afternoon will count for this week. So, uh, and there we go. It's just a crazy schedule, so we'll get some thoughts from Chuck about the bed. Because I know you had some questions regarding, hey, what tickets are still valid or not? And uh, so Chuck will answer all those questions. Yeah, with Kelsey Plum, it might be interesting, too, because uh, apparently as she tries to fight her way back into playing shape, she's also involved in some other fights around town. That is true. And we'll talk about that, a little UFC uh, matchmaking for Kelsey Plum. So we'll dive into that today. All right, so we start a, a terrible Tuesday with last night's Monday Night Football game. Seattle and Philadelphia the Seahawks held on to win in kind of ho-hum fashion. They, they actually win the game 23-17. I feel sorry for anyone who had Seattle and if they bet it late because we were talking to Matt Holt yesterday, and he was talking about giving up six, six and a half. It was six and a half, I believe, was the closing line. Uh, early on in the week, it was five, five and a half. Uh, for Opportunity Village purposes, guys, it was five and a half. So uh, five and oh is looking very nice for me. So just had to throw that in there as well, too. I got no sound effect for that. I got nothing. No, no congratulations. Wow. wow. <laughs> I hate to toot my own horn, but it's, look at this. No, no. Five lo- and oh, Numbchuck. Come on. No love, Numbchuck. Yeah, no kidding. Exactly. All right. But Carson Wentz sacked six more times last night, Frank. 46 on the season. Most in the NFL. Leads the NFL in interceptions. 31st in completion percentage. And here's what I don't get. The Monday Night Football crew, they're actually thinking that it's a bad idea to insert Jalen Hurts. And we've, we've had this conversation before. Steve Levy is always like the one guy that's like, hey, we, we, uh, I, I'm, you know, whatever, trumpeting the quarterback change, position change. And then with Riddick and Greasy, they're like, no, no, no. I can't believe Riddick and Greasy actually think that Carson Wentz is the best option. And what got me with this thing is, is they were talking over and over about how, hey, Carson Wentz has done it at the highest level. What has he done? And they threw the graphic up there early in the game. The last three seasons, no one's been worse than Carson Wentz. And the year they won the Super Bowl, no thanks to Carson Wentz. He got off to a great start, fine. But in the playoffs, it was all about Nick Foles. He was the guy. What can it hurt? And why did you draft Jalen Hurts early in the second round if you weren't going to play the guy? Give him a shot because I'm telling you right now, they're talking about, oh, surrounding talent. Did you see the interception that he threw in the end zone to nobody? Mm -hmm. There was nobody in the screen except the white jersey that he threw it to for the Seattle Seahawks. Yet Carson Wentz is not a good quarterback, and he hasn't been for at least the last two and a half seasons. Well, it's amazing, too, because you hear some of the guys, and they're talking about Wentz, and they say he's got some mechanical problems with this, that, and the other that he hasn't corrected whatsoever, so he doesn't have the accuracy. Well, if you don't have accuracy as a quarterback, you're in a lot of trouble there. 
But like you, I'm watching the game. First off, when Hurts did get it, they let him play two downs. Then they brought Winston for the third down play, and it's like, well, you're either giving him a series or you're not. What does this mean? This is absolutely stupid. By the way, Hurts finally got a completion in that, and then they took him out and brought Wentz back in to not get it on third down. So I didn't understand that. But you're right. The the way that they're talking about it, like it's a given. They're like, well, you know what? The offensive line and the receivers not getting open and getting separation. That It's going to be the same thing anyhow. How do you know? Right. You don't know that? You're Nostradamus now? You have a crystal ball? Then I guess you're all retired billionaires because you're making so much money since you know everything that's going to happen. doesn't matter if you put him in. First off, you want to see what he has to offer. Troy Aikman, I believe, went 1-15 his first year. He got better. You, 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 in this season right now, and I think that's the reason they're really not playing him is because in that stupid, ridiculous, garbage division, they're still actually in the playoff race. So I have a feeling that maybe they play him. But then when you hear him talk and you see the things that they do and the way that they are using Hurts when they're not really using him, maybe they still wouldn't. Maybe the coaches and the owners and everybody else, it doesn't make any sense to me if you use that draft pick on him and if you think he could be your quarterback of the future – Miami was going towards the playoffs and made a quarterback change. Philadelphia is garbage, and they refused to make one. Miami had a good quarterback they replaced. Philadelphia has a horrible quarterback, and they won't replace him. It makes no sense to me. This is all about the contract, and they should just say it. It's all about the contract. You re-upped him when they shouldn't have re-upped him. You're paying him a boatload of money. You don't want him to, 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 to get away. But bottom line, he's not going to win. And like I said, you're not accurate. It's got nothing to do with the surrounding talent or whatever. It's got nothing to do. It's about the contract that you buried yourself with, you know, plain and simple. Terrible Tuesday, definitely. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. So the Eagles now fall to 3-7 and seven in that garbage division, like you said. The Giants, the Cowboys, and you know the best team? And I firmly believe, I know it changes week to week here, but is the Washington football team. I firmly believe, I'm going to say it right now, they're going to win this division. The way they destroyed Dallas on Thanksgiving Day, crushed them, and the way Ron Rivera is now really kind of learning this team, and Alex Smith is is getting comfortable again. Yeah, I, I like watching it. But I love what Ryan Clark from ESPN, the former defensive back, had to say about the NFC least. The NFC East, with the Giants leading the division, Ryan, with just four wins, despite losing Daniel Jones to a hamstring injury. What is your take on this division as a whole, my friend? Shoot, you got a take, Jay? I'll take your take. I think they all suck. That's my take. They all stink. And it's, freaking, it's, it's confusing to me, right? Because every week you're asked the question, who's going to win the NFC East? And I'm like, the hell if I know. I just don't know. You know, it, it, it's, such a bad, it's such a bad division that anytime somebody wins a game, we go, oh, my goodness, this team's going to win the division. The Dallas Cowboys beat the Minnesota Vikings. We're like, oh, it's going to be Dallas. Washington football team blows out Dallas on Thursday. It's going to be Washington. The, uh, the New York Giants beat the Bengals without Joe Burrow. It's going to be the Giants. That's 
because we don't know. That's because week to week, they all stink. Every now and then, they win a game. I think it's going to take six games to win this division. The first team to get the six has an opportunity. Washington, to me, has the best core, the best foundation. I believe if Daniel Jones is healthy, that they have the best quarterback and coach in New York. But I still don't know who's going to win it. So I'm going to sit here with you guys. We'll talk about it every Monday. James will send me an email and ask me a question. And I'm going to tell you the same thing every week. I don't dang know. They all stink. And it's refreshing to hear someone break it down just like that. Yeah, no, and, and, and he's right. And, and why should you sugarcoat it? How do you sugarcoat that division? We've been talking about it for a while. In my gut, I still have a feeling that somehow the Giants are going to win it. But you know what? In 2020, it would make perfect sense that the team without a name would win the division. There you go. Why not? <laughs> All right. So the Broncos became the first team to start a non-quarterback at the position since 1965. And I know we touched on this yesterday, but it bears hitting it once again. But uh, this was only after the NFL denied the Broncos' request to activate an assistant coach to play quarterback. And yes, we're being serious. They wanted their quality control coach to play quarterback against the Saints on Sunday in Denver. Why? Because they had no quarterbacks. Because we knew that Drew Locke and Brett Ripien and Blake Bortles, they were all in contact with uh, 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 Driscoll. And they were got together on Tuesday, weren't wearing masks in the facility. They had to go to surveillance footage to see they, they were not social distancing. And therefore, they had to bring up a guy from the practice squad who was a quarterback in high school, was a quarterback at Wake Forest for about a year. But then he was so bad at Wake Forest throwing, what, eight touchdowns and seven interceptions that he had to go to uh, to be a wide receiver at Wake Forest, undrafted. We're talking about Kendall Hinton, and poor Kendall Hinton got the start on Sunday for the Broncos against the Saints. So, yes, it is true. They wanted to activate their quality control coach because he's been running the scout team, and he would give them the best chance to win. And, of course, Roger Goodell in the NFL said, no, you're, you're not going to do that. And he actually gave him a reason, a pretty good reason, too. It's that we don't want NFL teams to hire guys that were recently in the league or somewhere that uh, if we made this a rule in emergency situations that you would hire a guy for his talent and really not his coaching ability. But this is true. So I don't know what's worse. You know, this story, but everything that goes along with COVID. The 49ers are now looking for a temporary home because Santa Clara County placed a three-week ban on any contact sports. That's right. We're not talking about junior high. We're not talking about Pop Warner. We're talking about everything here. And the 49ers are in the middle of this. So therefore, the 49ers cannot play in Santa Clara. They're going to lose the rest of their home dates. And where are they going to play? There was talk about possibly playing in Vegas. They are going to play now at, uh, where the Cardinals play in Glendale. So that's where they're going to play. And they actually play the Cardinals, believe it or not, at the last game of the season. So we've got that. And then you got the Ravens-Steelers game that has been moved not once, not twice, but three times to tomorrow afternoon yes and it will have an afternoon game they're going to kick it off at 12:40 pacific our time i'm upset i'm irate because as you know i have this game on three of my tickets i'm not even going to be able to watch the game because the game's going to be going on while we're on the air so numchuck make sure you have the tv uh, if we can find which t- which channel this thing's going to go on it was nbc <laughs> And I now it was it's still NBC. Maybe it is NBC. Numchuck told me it was NFL Network, but I guess it is going to be NBC because we can't put it Wednesday night 
Because why? Because we're going to light a Christmas tree? Is that what you're telling me? Tis the season, my friend. It's the lighting of the New York Christmas tree. And you know what? And I know social media and uh, some of my friends that are big Steeler fans, they're irate about this whole thing. But you know what? I'm going to give NBC a little slack here. I don't blame them necessarily. How many times have they changed this game? How many times have they told the sponsors, hey, wait a second, uh, here's your rates, but yeah, but now it's not going to be this day. They've already moved it three times. How do they know they're going to play it now? And apparently this tree lighting actually gets big ratings. I would think the NFL gets more, but then I was shocked years ago to find out that the dog show outdraws a lot of stuff when it's on TV. So I don't necessarily blame NBC. How many times do you keep on coming to somebody's door and then playing ding-dong ditch and just leaving them hanging there? That's what the NFL's been doing with NBC on this game. So as ridiculous as it is and as crazy as it is, that's a 140 game out here for us. 1240. 1240, yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of get their point. Are they really going to play it tomorrow? I mean, are they really going to play it tomorrow? I think tomorrow? they have to play it tomorrow no matter what. We can't push it back any further. But raise your hand if you would rather see the Ravens and the Steelers or you'd rather watch the Christmas tree being lit in Rockefeller Plaza. Are you kidding me? Frank, we could just take a highlight. You could take 30 seconds and show the Christmas tree being lit. Do I need to watch two and three hours of this? This cannot be a two or three hour production here. A football game is three, three and a half hours. Are you telling me we're going to watch three hours of lighting of a Christmas tree? Please, if that's, if that's the case, shoot me now because I don't want to see that on my television. I'd rather see the dog show, the Westminster dog show. I like those little pups from Madison Square Garden. Well, like you, I will not be watching it either. But I'm saying apparently there's some people out there that do want to watch it. No, I, I will who not Who wants be wa- to watch it? I, I guess it does get ratings, but it, it must have ratings seriously, and it must who have wants sponsors. to watch this? It must get ratings and it must get sponsors. Yeah. It's all I can assume. I really don't Maybe know. Maybe the Macy's Day Parade, I'll go with you with that. But lighting of a Christmas tree in the in Rockefeller Plaza? What if, what if it's snowing? No, well, if it's you. snowing, then they'll just, you know, they'll still be skating out there on the ice and everything, uh, too. You know, and, and by the way, real quick on some of that other stuff yeah. that you mentioned, because you uncovered a lot of it there. <laughs> um, Fangio, I don't know if you saw this or not, yeah. but the Broncos were actually one of the teams before the season started that talked about having a special COVID quarterback on reserve that they wouldn't have in any team meetings and that kind of stuff. Somebody that knew the system just in case that might occur at a time when a COVID outbreak happened and they had no quarterbacks. And the coach said, yeah, I don't really see any need for that. Knock on wood so far, it's worked out okay for us. They were one of two teams that actually talked about doing that before the season started. In hindsight, maybe they should have gone with their original gut instinct. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, I can't uh, take anything that Vic Fangio says. He'll be out of a job in five weeks. Poor he'll be, guy. He'll be lighting a tree soon. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, we just had that. Um, was it a fight? Was it an exhibition? Uh, was it just a money-making thing? I don't know. Apparently, Mike Tyson gave some money to charity. So if charity's getting something out of it, I'm all good with it. But you know, one of the things that I don't like about these types of things, when undercards happen and guys that aren't fighters all of a sudden think they're fighters. Now Jake Paul is acting like, I'm a real fighter. I'm a bad man. I don't even know this guy's situation. I just know he's some YouTube sensation. YouTube sensation for what? I mean, is he fighting? Is he beating up people? What is he famous for? I have no idea. Okay. But apparently he's famous now to the boxing world and the fight world because he wants to fight everybody in sight. Well, now he's calling out Conor McGregor. He says that his people have talked. 
to McGregor's people. There are negotiations underway. I say this is 100% BS. Why would McGregor fight you when he's looking to fight guys he can make millions of dollars for? And, and then he takes a shot at Poirier, McGregor's next opponent in the UFC, saying, well, my, my boys, my posse has more followers than his people do. Well, actually, they're pretty close. Poirier's got 1.6 million Internet followers on social media. His posse, the two or three guys that are in that, have like 1.6 combined. So he's got 1.7, they have 1.6, so it's close. But Jake Paul, all of a sudden, now you're going to take on McGregor? I kind of wish this would happen so then you could get reality because as bad as Mayweather made McGregor look, McGregor would make Jake Paul look that bad, even though he is bigger and he's heavier and that kind of stuff. By the way, Jake Paul also in trouble because after his great knockout where all of a sudden he thinks he's the baddest man on the planet, he threw a really big party in Santa Monica. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, with hundreds of guests, or in that area someplace. I, I think it was in that area. The people that bought his uh, pay-per-view, because that's what a lot of people were saying. Oh, it's going to do big numbers. Why? Because of the gamers and yeah. the, the Jake Paul fans. Well, he threw a party, and apparently there's pictures out and that yeah. kind of stuff. Hundreds of people running around his place, not wearing masks, drinking, having a good time. I think there's a mandate right now. They can't have more than 10 people in a house. So uh, and, and, he might be in other trouble. So he might need the McGregor fight to pay the fines that he's going to be incurring. And for people that don't know who Jake Paul is, like like many of us, uh, again, his claim to fame on Saturday night of the undercard, he defeated or knocked out TKO decision, I guess if you want to go with Nate Robinson, the a minute player for you uh, in the NBA had a pretty good NBA career. University of, of Washington. Nate Robinson, really not a boxer, but how this thing uh, came to fruition is is beyond me. So you you knocked out a former NBA basketball player, a guy in the big three. Okay, congratulations. Maybe he is a good fighter. Okay, but he's not. He's not a professional fighter, and let me see him in the ring against some other professional fighters before we start talking about him and Conor McGregor. He can even fight guys that are, you know, one in six or three and eight. I'd rather see that to see if this guy really can fight instead of getting all excited because he beat out, uh, beat up a, a former NBA player. Yeah. Now, I will say that. It looked like half his size, by the way. Yeah, he looked bigger than him. And and that's what he says he's going to do with McGregor, too. He says he's going to blank him up. So, and and he is bigger. He's younger. He also, he's also called out Mayweather, too. So basically, he's throwing every name out there to see if he can get something to stick to get a payday. And I don't actually blame him for that. It's actually kind of smart marketing. In the back of my mind, I hope that one of these fights happens so he can get his come up. Right. Right, I hate a boy talking. Strike while the iron is hot, as they say. <laughs> All right. Sarah Fuller. We've been talking about her from Vanderbilt, the women's soccer team goalkeeper. Sarah Fuller. That's it. She got to, thank you, Arnold. <laughs> got, she got to suit up, actually, in the game. And uh, she got acknowledgement for being the first female football player in a Power 5 conference. As you noted, there have been other ones, but first in the Power 5 conference. So she's getting a lot of acclaim for this, doing interviews and everything. But here's the deal. She did not get a chance to kick. They got drill pressed, 41 nothing to Missouri. So she got to get on the field one time only, and that was to do the second-half kickoff. And we saw the highlights of this. It was like a 30-yard squib kick. People are applauding her for it, saying, hey, she did what she was supposed to do. Put it right where she wanted yeah, to. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. But here's what gets me, okay? I'm watching the warm-ups. I'm watching the warm-ups. And she is practicing kicking the ball from the three-yard line. 
Okay, you know the hash mark in between where they set the ball? That's where they mark the ball. And then you kick the PAT in college from the 10-yard line like they used to do for decades upon decades in the NFL, okay? She's kicking it from the 3-yard line. I've never seen anyone snap a ball in the end zone. I've never seen a 13-yard field goal. So why is she kicking in warm-ups from the 3-yard line is beyond me. Is that as far as it goes? Is that a mistake? Is that what we're dealing with? But here is is the bigger picture. What I, what I want to know here is they named her the SEC Player of the Week. How can she be named the SEC Player of the Week when she didn't attempt an extra point, didn't attempt a field goal, she kicked off and did a squib kick? Are you telling me she was she was better than... Then Mac Jones from Alabama, was she better than uh, uh, Mons from Texas A&M who had monster days? She is the player of the week. Somebody help me out here. Okay, well, first off, slow your roll just a little. She wasn't the player of the week. That's what I read. She was SEC special teams player of the week, <laughs> which she actually shared but the But that's award. not what it said on the, on the ticker. I'm telling you, my well, friend. No, because they're sensationalizing ah. the story. But when you read the fine print, she shared the award with Florida punt returner Kadarius uh, Tony. So she was actually co-kicker of the week. So a kickoff gets you that award. A kickoff apparently does get you that award. From 30 yards. Uh, I think I might have actually seen a 13-yard field goal because I'm old enough to remember when the goalposts were right on the goal line there, when the guys used to run into the goalposts in the middle of That's the true. end zone. Very so, nice. Very nice. You know, but, um, but, yeah, seldom have I seen a ball snap from four yards deep in the end zone for a field goal Thank attempt. That, that usually means it was a touchdown to get that deep. But, yeah, but th- there's other things that are in this story as well. I don't know if you realize this, but she got the gig because they were talking about using a soccer player so they brought like three or four of their goaltenders, put a sheet up in the gym, and they were kicking to see who could kick a soccer ball the farthest. It wasn't even a football originally, and she kicked it farther and more accurately than the others. So they said, well, yeah, let's put her on the football team. She is still, is this week is coming up, the only kicker on Vandy's list right now. So she is the lone kicker that Vanderbilt has at this time. However, they said they're looking at other options. One guy that they're looking at is Riley Guy. Or, or I'm sorry, Riley Gay, yeah. who was Vandy's kicker last year, but he's in medical school right now. <laughs> he actually made seven of ten field goals. He was actually a decent oh. kicker. Why wouldn't you not beg? The, can you just come out? Can you skip class on Saturday? Well, here's what I don't understand. Was this COVID issue? Was it something else? And how do you get on a a college football roster when? You're not even on the roster. You're not even on the team. You're on the soccer team. Does it mean anybody? Can you or I? We got any eligibility left? Can we just jump on a college basketball roster now, a college football roster? You know, as tight as the NCAA is with their rules and everything, it seems a little bit crazy that, okay, we'll, we'll bring her on. But here's, here's more so breaking. you're telling me there's a chance. But then there's more breaking news. Yeah! She's not done yet, my friend, because... The head coach, the well, I guess the interim head coach, because Derek Mason got fired, right? Yeah, All right. probably because of his stupid decision to let a female kicker kick a field uh, kick off when she right. can't kick the ball. So Vandy is playing at Georgia this week. Guess what? They're going right back with her, and they put her now on the travel roster. Oh yeah, she's for the, the rest team. of the season. Yeah, she's on the team to Georgia. Yeah. But like I yeah. said, but but that is also the interim coach that did right. say that they are looking at other right. options. They They're have whole- to have someone better. Nothing against her, but they have to have someone better than her. They have to.
Well, like I said, Riley Riley Gay was a kicker for Vanderbilt before, but they said he's in medical school right now, so they don't know if he could come back. He has eligibility left. He could mm-hmm. be a kicker. The other thing that they're doing is maybe, and I've heard some people say, well, why don't they t- take somebody from the men's soccer team? Maybe mm-hmm. they're a little bit more. They actually dropped the men's soccer team back in 2006 because of Title IX. There it is. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, sticking with college football. You know, we can't call it the Civil War anymore, as you know. You know, Oregon, Oregon State, I mean, we, had to, we had to squash that. Now they're just calling it the rivalry. So, again, I was watching this game, and I watched Oregon blow a lead again. These teams that just don't know how to uh, play with leads. And, again, but I heard some very interesting audio. And I want you to take a listen to this and tell me what this means. There, it's 77 is recorded as 89 for Oregon State. 77 playing as 89. 77 is playing as 89. <laughs> Please explain this to me. Now, I'll set the, the, the tone here, the page, because we've seen you know someone come in and wants to be eligible as a wide receiver, tight end, that sort of thing. And we see, we've seen offensive linemen do that. That necessarily wasn't the case in this. S- play that again, Numchuck. What was it? 77? Yeah, 77 is recorded as 89 for Oregon State. 77 playing as 89. 77 is reporting as 89. Then he says 77 is playing for 89. I'm lost. I don't know. When he said that, I was thinking he jumped into a phone booth on the field and ripped off his shirt and became Super 89 or something. I don't know. I mean, maybe his jersey got ripped on the sideline. Maybe right? something happened. Maybe he had to change jerseys. Okay, I'll but go with then that. Why not just say no 80, one explained that? Then though. Why not just say 89 is an eligible receiver? There I don't have go. to know that he was 77. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, how far are we going to go? 89, who was 77, and Pop Warner wore number 32. He was a running back. Then. He's, I mean, I don't. what number is he now, and what, is he eligible or not? Well, we know with college, it's always a nightmare because they suit up 90 guys, so you have multiple numbers. And we've seen like a number two as a defensive back and a number two as a wide receiver, and the guy will have to come and, and, and take off that jersey and put on a different number because – if they do a special teams thing, like I saw onside kick last week, they had two number twos out there, and one guy had to had take off his jersey and borrow somebody else's. So college football, it can be very simple. Number one, you don't need to suit up 90. Let's forget the multiple numbers, the double numbers. We don't need that. But please give me a little better explanation that 77 is now playing as 89. Well, not only give you a little better explanation, give you an actual explanation. Yes. What does that even mean? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You got um, you know, Marshawn Lynch played for years and years, yes. and a lot of people thought it was the Skittles that got him ready for games. Well, he recently did the uh, one of the new shows that Peyton Manning's doing. It seems like Peyton Manning's every place yes. these days, and Peyton's doing a, a little Peyton's places, yeah, yeah. second Peyton's season places, yeah, doing uh, some talk shows and stuff. And he had Marshawn Lynch on recently. Peyton told Marshawn, "You know, I had rituals before games. I would read." The, the playbook and everything, cover to cover, so I knew everything about every single person on the other team's defense. Did you have any superstitions or rituals? And Marshawn said, well, yeah, I would do a shot every game. <laughs> Peyton was like, a, a, a shot of what? And he's like, a shot of Hennessy. <laughs> and Peyton was like, wait, wait, a shot of Hennessy? So what, you had a bar in the Seattle locker room? He's like, no, we didn't have a bar in the locker room. I would sneak it in my backpack. I always did a shot, shot and a half of Hennessy before every game, getting ready for that. Yeah, he he also went on later on in the interview. Peyton also asked him, "Well, I mean, you got a lot of fines for not talking to the media. And that did did the commissioner just send you a letter or something like that at the beginning of the season?" He goes, "A letter? No, it was more like I got an invoice every week." There it is. <laughs> Beast mode. <laughs> All 
All right, I'm going to leave you with this. A couple of college uh, football notes and, uh, of course, uh, a, a bad beat in here as well, as we like to hit on. So this game was crazy. NC State's playing Syracuse. It's 36-29, and we're coming down to the end of the game, all right? So third and goal at the seven-yard line for, uh, for Syracuse. And we know how bad Syracuse has been, all right? So, again, they're trailing by seven. Their quarterback is running around with a chicken with his head cut off. He's running around backwards at the seven-yard line. He goes all the way back to the 30 and gets sacked. No timeouts left. Clock is winding down. We're at 10. We're at seven. We're at five. Finally gets everyone back up to the line. And what's he do? Remember, I said it was third and goal on that play, right? He spikes the ball as the clock hits zero. Spikes it at zero. That was fourth down. Ball game over. Don't even give your your team a chance to win. Desperate for a victory. You hung the whole game. You had the ball first and goal at the seven, and you don't even get a chance for another play. Well, obviously, he did not put the student before the athlete. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So what is worse? All right. So we go with that with our bad beat here. All right. So when you look at the Oklahoma State Texas Tech game, Frankie. You know how this drives me nuts, and we're seeing it now like clockwork every week. So Oklahoma State is going, and uh, they're basically trying to, I guess, run out the clock. But maybe they're not because there was a minute 43 to go, and they're at the 50-yard line. Breaks away. They are up by, uh, at that point, a, a six. They're up by six. Break away all by himself, and what's he do? Down goes Frazier at the three-yard line. He goes down. That's it. They decide to go Neil Diamond after that. What is wrong by being ahead by 13 points if you get in the end zone? Sure, you're going to leave Texas Tech under a minute to go. I still say a 13-point lead is more than safe. What's wrong with leading by 13? Or better yet, how about winning by 13? Oh, by the way, the line in the game, Okie State minus 11. Ouch. People's Sportsbook, not too happy, but I'm sick of these guys falling down on purpose when you can get in the end zone and go up by two scores. Yeah, I wasn't happy about it either because that was one of my best bets. So, yeah, I, Thank you. I, I could have easily used that minus 11. And you're right. Here's the thing. If you're afraid of a 13-point lead with a minute left in the game, then maybe you need to uh, work on your defense a little more because there's no way you should blow that lead. I'm with you. Score the touchdown. It's ridiculous. It is. All right, you got some terrible Tuesdays. You can always hit us up on Twitter at TCMartin21 at VGKFrank. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, he will join us next. Coming up next hour, we got Kelsey Plum, Chuck Esposito, a lot of NFL to talk about. Yes, we'll keep you updated with all of the breaking news happening with the NFL. Are the Ravens, are the Steelers going to play? We think so. We'll hit all that when we come back. T.C. Martin Show on a terrible Tuesday. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. Don't forget, get on over to the William Hill Sportsbooks and get signed up for the mobile app if you don't have it already because you can get free money in your account. It is very simple to do. Use the promo code TC50. That's right. TC50 will get you $50 in your account when you deposit $50 into a new William Hill account. Any of the William Hill Sportsbooks, go deposit that money. Come see us on Friday 
at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas, a William Hill Sportsbook. So then you see the show, be part of the show, deposit some money, get some free money. There you go. Get ready for the weekend. William Hill Sportsbooks. Proud sponsor of the T.C. Martin Show. T.C. 50 is your promo code. There you have it. All right. The big seven-footer joins us. The five-time NBA champ who I know was just uh, hopping around, joyful, happy, probably lit up the red Arbox cigar as the USF Dons took down the mighty Virginia Cavaliers, the number four team in the country over the weekend. Uh, Big Bill, what's going on, my friend? Hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving, and I know you had a great time watching that game. Yeah, it was a great game. And, you know, the guys, uh, you know, it's funny, as we talked, I I was telling you, this team has kind of scared me because I think they may be better than I thought because they're uh, uh, more athletic, uh, they can really, really shoot the basketball. They play up tempo, and you know they're going to make it really difficult uh, if they can knock down some threes. And that's exactly what happened in the Virginia game. It was a great game for guys, coaching staff, players, program, uh, national TV. I loved it. This is how it sounded, my friend. For those people that didn't get a chance to catch it, but. Huge upset. USF wins as a big double-digit underdog. Short rebound Huff, and here we go. Down by one, Virginia, chance to win it. Kihei Clark, Huff, Hauser, catch and shoot. Off the mark, tip won't go. How about that? Todd Golden and the San Francisco Dons pick up the victory. It's too bad, Bill, that we didn't have uh, uh, fans that could be there, even the an- announcers subdue. You can tell they're not there from a remote location. But even if this thing was on a neutral court, and I know the game wouldn't be played at USF, but just anywhere just would have really added to this, uh, you know, to this victory. And do you think that because it was a non-conference, you know, early season tournament, there were no fans, that maybe that this victory by USF got you know buried a little bit? No, not at all. You know what's really funny is that uh, right after the game was over, my phone blew up. Um, I got texts from all over the place. My former teammates, uh, the next day, uh, was all over the media. Uh, it was on ESPN. Um, you know, and even, you know, when I went out for my daily, as you know, my daily walk, people were stopping me on the streets. USF, USF. So, no, no. No, no, no. It was, it was big. I think it was acknowledged as much as it could. And uh, it was it, it was fine. I'm just happy, um, you know, that our guys were able to play really well, uh, given this situation where they, you know, we haven't had a practice, and probably nobody else has, all year. So, you know, they're really playing against themselves uh, to get ready for this. It is, you know, it's a funky time. It's a special time. And you've got to answer the call. So uh, we're we're pleased with that game. And uh, we'll see where that takes us from here. We know that when it comes to basketball or any sport for that matter, especially with college kids, that confidence is a lot. There's physical ability, but there's also confidence. What does this mean for USF moving forward, getting a win over a team like Virginia? So that we can beat anybody. And really, that's what we've always known anyway. But confidence plays a big part of it. And 
you know, it's it's right place, right time, right place, right situation. You know, the more you're, you have an opportunity to win, the more you're in that situation, the better you're going to be at it, let alone to play against a really good team. So I'm just hoping we can maintain that level of play, maintain that focus, maintain that kind of intensity. So when we come out against teams who aren't quite as good, we're going to still play at that same level. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, uh, joins us talking about the USF victory over Virginia uh, last uh, Saturday. So, you know, we've seen the Dons play very, very well against teams like Gonzaga in your conference. You Usually there's at least one of those games, sometimes both matchups during the course of the year, where the Dons play very, very well. Uh, hopefully this can be uh, a catapult where this team gets back to some national recognition. And once we get to WCC play here, it, what what do you expect to see? And obviously right now you guys are, are kind of a high. You still got Gonzaga. We don't know what uh, this season is really going to bring with COVID and what the schedule is going to be like and everything. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about the outlook from conference play because it will be here right around the corner. It's, it's always a really tough situation for for our conference. For one, for one thing, we'll always have, uh, especially with Gonzaga and St. Mary's and BYU in our conference, top 20 teams. And unfortunately, right now, we have the number one team in the, in, uh, in the NCAA right now. And, and to me, and I say unfortunately because it's, it's such a huge challenge, and uh, thank, thank goodness, because we welcome that challenge. So, uh, you know, we've got a really good conference um, with those three teams and also teams like Santa Clara, teams like Pepperdine, who were the NCAA, teams like San Diego, who were in the NCAA two years ago. And then you have upstarts like uh, like uh, UOP, um, who've done a really great job. So... Our conference is going to be tough, and we're just got to be prepared to play every single night, and it, it'll just give our guys an opportunity to play against teams that are just, you know, some of the best teams in college basketball. So, um, I, I feel like right now we have the best conference on the West Coast. But to me, there's no doubt about that. Our, our conference has got to be the toughest. Um, on on and I'm not even sure. Maybe you would tell me who who for the West has a better conference uh, than us. Well, the thing about it is, you've got the number one team in the country, and legitimately, they are number one ranked. We're talking about Gonzaga, but then when you go past Gonzaga, I mean, to be fair, no, there is nobody else that's even in the the top twenty, not in the top twenty five, probably not even in the top thirty or forty. So it's hard to say you have the toughest conference. I mean, the Pac-12 obviously is going to... Because because last year and the year before that, St. Mary's were in the top 10. I mean, I'm sorry, top 20. Yeah, but I'm talking about currently right now. I mean, St. Mary's is not the the same team. that They haven't been a a solid team for the past few years, as you know. We look forward to that Gonzaga-St. Mary's matchups, especially here at the Orleans all the time as well, too. But if you're talking about conference, I mean, you have the, the, the... Gonzaga is the best team. There's no doubt about it. And then, you know, I mean... It's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be wild to see. Okay, who is the second best team? Is it USF? Is it BYU? Is it St. Mary's? 
again, you, no one's going to be talking about Portland and Loyola Marymount and Pepperdine, even though you know Pepperdine played UCLA tough. Yeah, the Pac-12 is down. We we know that, but they still have perennial powerhouses and, and top recruiting uh, powers like Oregon Michael. and U- Oregon and UCLA. Uh, again, you know, look what Stanford did last night. Stanford won going away by 20 over Alabama. They're a top-tier program. Uh, again, Washington, you can, you know, again, though that's a better that's a better conference from top to bottom, and, and I know you know that. No, I disagree. I totally disagree with that. I, I do have a lot. Of, I do have an opportunity to watch a lot of basketball, and those are not great teams. But you what know, what is the WC? And again, I don't want to take nothing away from from Gonzaga and what USF did, Bill. But you you come on. I mean, the numbers speak the way the numbers are. There aren't any great teams in that conference outside the top three in the WCC. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah. and what I'm saying is that there's not three in any of the other conferences. That's what I'm saying. And besides that, we have the we have the best team in the in the country. That's the fact. No question about it. No, now, and we, we won't be arguing the fact about the, the Mountain West Conference because we know where the Mountain West does states right now as well, too. Well, I'm not going to bash that. I'm going to leave that for you. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to you, you mentioned the best team, and you guys are arguing about the best conference and the best teams on the West Coast and that. Is there still an East Coast bias, or is it a reality that the East Coast just has better basketball? East Coast is a bias. That's all they talk about out there. And every single year you hear every team out there is East Coast. And it's usually Duke, it's Carolina, and somebody, uh, and somebody East that gets a lot of press. And then when it comes down to it, uh, you know, they they don't get there. So um, to me, you've got to you've got to be able to look at the whole. Conference, you've got to be able to look at who's in that conference. You've got to be able to look if, in fact, some of those teams have juniors and seniors, which is going to make a big, a big difference around uh, the NCAA and it's time to play at crunch time. Um, and a lot of those conferences just don't have it. They have a lot of one and done kids. Uh, that's why you see uh, Carolina going out. That's why you see Duke. When Zion Williams is going out of there, they're not even the Final Four. And they've got three um, first-round draft picks. So those guys get a lot of press. But the reality is is that every single year, um, there's there, there's a couple teams out west that supposedly it's an upset, and those teams get knocked off. You know, we look, look at the numbers here. And I, I made these notes over the weekend, starting on Thanksgiving. College basketball cancellations – we had 45 games that were canceled or postponed on Wednesday, 16 on Thanksgiving Day, 24 on Friday, 27 on Saturday, and then after that I just quit you know, keeping count. And there was more Sunday, Monday, today as well too. It's been Bill, over 200. It, over 200, exactly. Bill, how worried are you about this college basketball season, especially with USF probably having their best team they've had in years? How fearful are you that – this thing can get shut down, or it's going to be a shell of itself. Well, I think that it will get shut down, and I think that that depends on that team, that coach, those players. How responsible do you do you want to be? I mean, when these guys, um, when we went on the road, 
they basically put themselves in a bubble. So they only were with themselves. They only ate together. They separated themselves from the hotels that they were in. So you've got to be really, really guarded. And, and, and they're the people that are around you. Now, the teams that do that, they're going to be fine. The teams who don't or are irresponsible uh, will we'll have a really bad year. And that's consistent. It doesn't matter what sport it is. It doesn't matter what level it is. Um, this is a really special, special time. And you've got to adhere to what's going on right now. So, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I think we'll be fine because we'll do every single thing we're, we're supposed to be doing and more. All right. That's how important it is. All right, the big seven-footer. We've got another contest this week, and it's got to be better than, than it was last week. It's got to be much better. What uh, was the number one bird? Bill, tell them what the number one bird was. It was the Purple Martin, wasn't it? Uh, no, no. It should have been Dean Martin if you're going to put Purple Martin in there. <laughs> but uh, And TC would appreciate this because it was the number one bird of all time, a bald eagle. What do you mean, TC understands? What are you trying to say there, okay? I think there's a subliminal message there you're trying to say. I think he's trying to say that you're very patriotic and you love America. Oh, thank you. That, that makes sense. There you go. I'll go with that. There you go. All right. So, go. what do we, we tell, tell, tell our, our listeners and, and these guys in studio what you have this week? I'm sure it's a doozy. Here we go. This week? I was kind of hoping you'd announce it this week. I'll announce it. I got, I got it here. Ladies and gentlemen, the Carwright Family Contest and Friends, the greatest child actor of all time. All time. Now, it's better than a bird. I got to say that. Frank? Oh, no. It's not. The, bird, the birds have been, in fact, at the highest participation. Oh, Stop. Stop. We're not talking about uh, One of the highest participation of any contest we've ever had, the birds. Now, you don't like birds, and that's okay. You got nothing against but, birds. Uh, there's millions of bird watchers out there. People love birds. I told you, we have people sending pictures of birds. Well, you they know, love them. When you throw something like that out to me, I just have to go with the first thing that comes in my mind. And the first two things that came in my mind were Shirley Temple or Ronnie Howard. Huh? Going with a little Opie there. I, I can understand that. Well, All right. Not only that, because after being Opie, he did so. He did Happy Days. He became one of the best producers, he directors, did. everything else. He did. He's had an incredibly successful Ron Howard's career. right there. And Shirley Temple, who became Shirley Temple Black, also became very involved in politics and everything else. So yep. she also, they were child actors that didn't screw up their lives after being child actors. That's a good point. All right. I, I'm going to go with, uh, I don't think this person is on your list, Bill. I'm not sure. But uh, I'm going to go Tatum O'Neill. I mean, you can't beat Tatum O'Neill, Paper Moon, and of course, Amanda with the curveball for the Bad News Bears. It doesn't get any better than that. Not only was she, she was a great actress, too. Great actress moving on. And again, had big time roles at such a young age before the age of 12 and 13. I'm going Tatum O'Neill. Of, of all time. Of all time. That's right. Of all time. Yeah. Because, you know, the thing with Opie, I mean, he wasn't a great actor when he was Opie, Ron Howard. 
I mean, you know, when he got older, he was pretty good with Happy Days. Also, I, 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 I go with that. His old, he brought a lot of people to tears when he killed. But the bird. Tatum O'Neill again. You know, I'm a second generation person with the athletes and everything. Yeah, Tatum O'Neill. What Ryan O'Neill? I mean, that, that's strong. But I gotta, I gotta admit, I like your list here. Uh, get this, guys. He's on his list. Billy Buckwheat Thomas, George Spanky McFarlane, Billy Froggy Laughlin, Eugene Porky. Gordon Lee, Matthew Stymie Beard, Robert Mikey Blake, and of course, the world's greatest, Carl Alfalfa Switzer. No relation to Barry. There you go. Well, in Chicago, can you can you name any of those? Well, in, in Chicago, they got to be voting for Froggy, right? Yeah, there you go. Very nice, Froggy. Froggy was great. Look at that. That's strong, Bill. Uh, you get a lot of homework that that you and Mrs. Cartwright did on this one. There you go. What do you got there? Yeah. Every week. The so, what? Uh, well, this I'm, I'm going to announce, of course, my my person on uh, Friday, yeah. uh, which is always a huge day. But, but I would say you guys are right in the uh, pipeline of, uh, you know, probably uh, uh, Shirley Dimple, Ron Howard. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't throw Michael J. Fox in there because he was in Teen Wolf. Not bad. Not bad. There you go. All right. Uh, let's see this. Uh, let's see if you can get back to sports or food next week, okay? Get back to normalcy, please. All right? Uh, no, we're not getting back to sports or, or food uh, <laughs> next week. That's uh, I, I've got something special for you for next week also. A- any holiday-themed things coming up? Uh, like what? What do you mean holiday things? <laughs> After all, we'll I don't know, go to the Christmas fa- season. Fa- favorite Christmas tradition. Favorite, I, I don't know, something like that. You know, different people do different things for the holidays. There you go. All right. Give that some thought. I mean, what do you mean, holiday uh, well, theme? Come on. You went with a bird on Thanksgiving. I mean, Turkey got some votes. I, I know that was part of your play there. Jeez. Well, I, I went there because that's something since you don't read. Um, so you got killed there. You don't like Westerns. <laughs> And you don't like sci-fi. So in, in the categories that you... And we've done all those contests. With, there it is. I know, but you struggle in those contests. Bill, you better go with favorite Christmas song. There you go. You work on that one for the next couple of weeks. Favorite Christmas song. That, that That's a barn burner right there. Favorite Christmas song is not bad. That's not a bad category. Or famous uh, Christmas cookie. There you go. Throw that in there. Or Christmas dessert. Favorite Christmas movie. You always get people getting incensed over that one. There you go. The movie. See, look. I mean, here we are. We're producing your contest for you again, as it should be. Because we'll come up with stuff better than what you've come up with recently. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Christmas movie, you'll you'll probably pick uh, uh, some kind of uh, love story. And uh, we're, we're not having that. I don't know what you're talking well, what, about. Well, what you're going to get, if you have that, you're going to get the argument of, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? There you go, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, brother. Be good, man. Go Dons. Congratulations on the victory over, over UVA. Loved it. And uh, go get some more wins. Hopefully we get some more games here coming up real soon and not cancellations. <laughs> Take care, brother. Yeah. All right, man. I'm digging it. All right, later. There he is, the seven-footer big Bill Cartwright. When we come back, Chuck Esposito will join us, talk about what's happening at the Sportsbook, Kelsey Plum, Las Vegas Aces, that and a whole lot more. Hour number two on the way, T.C. Martin Show on a terrible Tuesday.